0: everybody welcome back to an episode of Brewing with Conviction. This is your host, Chris Martin, joined by my partner in crime here on Brewing with Conviction. jesus Zeus Garcia, jesus Zeus, as always good to be back. Yeah, good to be back, man. So we're uh we'll see if we can sneak this casting in between the storm that we were just talking about. But uh we're gonna we're gonna be talking about a mishmash of different uh, different stuff. This will be kind of like a EDH MTG finance stew of Various topics that are related to kind of the what I wanted to do with this cast specifically was look kind of forward thinking and start thinking, start digging into preparations for a couple different potential market moving things that are coming up um, down the horizon, things like COVID. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about what we're seeing with the cases increasing around the country. We had some breaking news come out today that w- WPN sanctioned events are going to be to shut down again, so in-person play for paper is going to be locked back down. That news got distributed just just a few hours before recording. Uh, I also want to talk about just the summer lull. You know, in in years past, around June or July, after the last series of Magic Fest winds down until rotation, there's typically a little bit of a lull, uh, you know, and and also with people going in out of of school and being off for for vacation and things like that. So I want to talk about how that's changed. Uh, I think a little bit, at least, from what I'm experiencing, it seems like that's changed a little bit this year around compared to prior prior years. But we'll talk about that. A couple other topics we wanted to cover: what we can expect moving forward, specific to EDH, and and this is kind of a, I guess, subheader to the COVID round two, which is if COVID continues to linger, which it certainly appears that it's going to for. The foreseeable future. We're going to talk a little bit about what that means for EDH moving forward and how that can influence uh, continuing to make money and and also talk about some of the new product launches like Commander Legends. And then we're going to touch uh, quickly on basically what good specs there are moving forward in a lockdown and, and if things do slow down from a summer lull or COVID or, or both of those things collectively, what can we do to still kind of churn some profits in the meantime? Um, so I'll offer some thoughts on that. you uh, let's start in talking about COVID. I, I want to get your take on this, and maybe not even so much from a magic perspective, but just kind of more of it like a personal work perspective. I know you work, in the, you work for UPS in, in kind of like the delivery, shipping, essential uh, worker space. What have you been seeing these last couple of weeks as as cases kind of around the country, we're here in Chicago, Illinois. So the cases here haven't actually been too bad. We've been pretty fortunate here. But generally, have you been feeling any pressures from this this uh, recent surge in cases we've been seeing around the country the last few weeks?
1: Um, that's a little weird to answer because it's a little bit of both a yes and a no. And the reason why yes is because shipping going into other states has been massively impacted um there was something that i actually had to send out personally i had to send some masks to family in california which would normally be about five day travel time it didn't get there for about two and a half weeks so we've been seeing a lot of pressure in terms of uh the people trying to send things out to help their family, but it's, that's only furthering the delays, especially with drivers getting sick, which we've had some of our drivers get sick. And we've had to essentially say, um, we will, we had to turn away drivers the second they cough at my store, which is kind of ridiculous, but just simply because of how contagious this is. Um, but then in terms of the customers, I just feel like we're, we've been busier than ever more and more people are trying to get out of their house, trying to do things, which is why we're seeing a massive rise. And it really sucks. Because that means events like uh, WPN stores trying to host Friday Night Magic, stuff like that, more people are going to want to do those. They're going to be itching to go out, itching to play uh, their favorite formats, whether it's EDH, Modern, Standard, whatever. But if they do that, at least until the end of the year... Things are only going to get worse, as they have been, and it sucks. But yeah. people really got to suck it up and figure things out.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've seen the cases in Florida, Texas, Arizona; those states have just been getting killed by. I think some of it, you know, is the whole masks and like Illinois. We've been very fortunate; people have been pretty compliant with wearing masks, at least from what I've seen in the limited time that I've been out. But um, so, so, we've been seeing this increase in cases. Um, the stock market has really defied odds and defied gravity and, and just kind of continued to push forward on the assumption of an economic recovery. But it's kind of interesting because, you know, with the cases spiking, I, I think, and, and obviously this is just a hypothesis, I think it's fairly safe to assume we're going to see more and more states re-enter phases of lockdown, whether it's full lockdown or just, you know, a, a modified version compared to what happened in March. And we're already starting to see that with beaches in Miami and uh, a little bit of a reversal in Texas and Florida. And uh, one of the big pieces of news that I want to touch on today related to magic is that Wizards just announced it came out maybe I don't know, two to four hours before we record this. It came out to, that said that store in-store play is suspended temporarily as a result of the increase in cases. It's it's only temporarily delayed for United States and Latin America, but there's not like a definitive reinstatement of when this is going to be, a re, uh, be approved. So that ban, that ban went back in or started back in like late March, early April, and they've reinstated that. And I actually just double check, sorry. The article actually says that the suspension is temporary, but will last at a minimum through Zendikar rising. So that's, that's, Still, about two and a half months away. It's that thing that set releases late September, early October. So we've got a little ways to go, and that's just going to continue further, furthering the cause, which is that, like you said, standard, pioneer, modern, those formats, especially, and really EDH too, are all going to struggle to to keep their uh, momentum in paper. Uh, I feel like with this all happening. It's important for you know for us in conviction gaming, you know as as kind of a we like to we always say think with a brewer, think like a brewer and buy like a financer. And it, in the sense of buying like a financer, it's important to understand that as this marketplace continues to shut down, that the macroeconomics, the the social economics outside of magic are going to be impacted if COVID continues to be rampant and we end up having to go into really any form of lockdown but seeing something as simple as the WPN uh, announcement that I just mentioned, that really is gonna hinder the whole quote unquote gathering aspect of magic. And so as a result, I think it's it's gonna be safe to start assuming that EDH will, will continue to keep its foothold as the primary driver of paper. And it's also probably safe to assume that MTGO and arena are gonna continue to be the source and outlet for players of limited and standard. I don't actually have data on this, but I would hypothesize that that hasn't, even with lockdowns easing, that that hasn't changed a lot. And I'm only saying this anecdotally. But I feel like people have been pretty cautious, at least in Illinois, they've been fairly cautious. Um, but yeah, I, I think we need to just prepare for that. I think we, as a community, uh, you know, both from an MTG community standpoint and a finance community standpoint, we have to prepare for that and be ready for what that could mean to uh, to our speculation and just you know card prices and things like that. So other touch point I wanted to uh, hit on is the summer lull. So historically speaking, I've been doing this MTG Finance thing for half a half a decade at this point, very, very seriously, and more than a decade at you know an arm's length. And in my experience, going all the way back, I can never pinpoint a time in magic where things cool off faster than the time, the 8 week stretch between July 1st and September 1st i don't know if it's just because that's when classes are out for summer and everybody goes home and goes on vacation does you know does their you know kind of like their personal attends to personal life matters or if it's because standard becomes stale and we're waiting on rotation it's probably some kind of collection of all that the, the weather warms up people want to get outside there's probably some combination of reasons but the the impact that that has on sales for singles historically has been a very noticeable impact, uh, especially until the new fall set, which in this, this year's case would be Zendikar Rising comes out. And what I'm interested to see is how, like when I look at my sales data, I haven't seen a huge impact yet from the summer wall. And I'm wondering if you have, you know, as a player, I'm kind of curious if you have any thoughts on that uh, personally. Uh, you know why people might be still playing Magic or buying Magic at this point in time when, when historically speaking, that that's not usually true.
1: Well, previously, you know, before we started uh, Conviction Gaming and everything, uh, my group was primarily con- well, primarily consisted of my friends at college. Before that, when I played Yu-Gi-Oh, my group, well, my play group for that was c- primarily consisted of my friends and school. So I think the main reason for the lull would be people are people at the time would be less likely to regularly talk to those that they played with so they'd have less reason to buy. Going into COVID now people can't go into public places to play anymore. So I feel, especially since all the other formats have slowly died out uh, in terms of sales and EDH has taken Precedent as the strongest format right now, uh, or the format that sees the most play due to not only more people going out buying cameras to stream tabletop, but also people meeting up at each other's houses to play, just a casual, fun way because they can't go out. They can't go outside. They can't go to public places. Um, I feel like we might have already been seeing that slight drop but that drop had been padded out and kind of melded in with everything due to everything suddenly becoming a buyer's market early on with COVID. Then the um, stimulus checks going live for everyone, suddenly spiking prices of a massive amount of cards, including reserve list. Um, it's I feel like the lull has been that blow has just been dulled because of all the other crap that's been going on. That's making the market awkward.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting too, as you were talking there, what I just thought of as another point is with the lockdown easing that happened roughly late April into May for it, depending on what state you lived in, but TCG direct went live. It waited until June to go live. And once that came back online, our competition resurfaced at the seller level, which I admittedly thought was going to just tank prices. I, I really thought that once, some of the bigger vendors and the bigger stores out there who are you know kind of waiting for TCG Direct, think, think like Pack Fresh Magic is a good one on TCG Player. They tend to have just a ton of copies of cards, and I didn't see them as present when Direct was down, and now they are again, you know, back out there with their big stacks of a couple hundred cards at a time. I thought that that was going to really cap prices, but it hasn't, I think prices in general have come down and we could certainly turn to the guys at banned to get a better idea of that, like Wolf on Tint Street or whatever, they, any of those folks, they could probably tell us confidently that prices are are deflating a little bit. But as a whole, anecdotally, and it looks like even from our chat here, a few folks have N- not exactly seen like a, they've they stayed steady, I guess. So to your point, yeah, it's, it's maybe, maybe we're just in this different, because we're in this different COVID era, expectations are set a little bit differently. And so sales in general might have, you know, might be a little bit down compared to prior year, which is for sure true. Uh, and that's just making it feel like it's less of a blow to your point. Like it's, it's almost like the, what's already happened was kind of built into what we expected now. Uh so, so with that being said, so just, let's wrap this up with COVID and the summer lull. So, here's kind of my hypothesis moving forward on the next. Uh, I'm going to call it eight to twelve weeks ballpark, and and that would take us eight weeks. Will take us right into the early part of September. Twelve weeks would take us through Zendikar Rising. I think eight weeks probably gets us right up to the Zendikar Rising spoiler season. I think that's when we're going to see the next surge. Uh, you know, and and there's a possibility maybe that happens sooner if uh, if. If there's like a surprise product, I know we've got our Double Masters spoilers coming up in between there. I don't know if there's going to be any other surprise products. You never know with Wizards. But if Double Masters does something to spark interest, maybe there will be a little surge in that. I doubt it because we're not going to get new cards. It's just going to be all reprints from what it sounds like. So um, I, I don't really see that having any impact other than people potentially wanting to chase some of the new extended art cards or box toppers or whatever. Uh, But that being said, I think in September is going to be the next chance where if you're a seller right now, what you want to be doing is probably preparing a buy list to to get some cards ready for that, you know, between now and that eight week time frame and pull those in. And even if you're like a speculator, these next eight weeks are going to create a lot of buying opportunities, in my opinion, um, particularly for cards that are rotating as well as potentially even some of the cards that are in standard right now. I just wrote an article by Aquaria. And how I feel like that set and Jumpstart and Course Corsa 21 are all going to end up being less opened. And so as EDH cards uh, you know, from those sets surface and the staples really cement themselves as EDH staples, if we can identify those between now and the next eight weeks, which was the whole point of my Icoria article and what I tried to do, if we can do that and we can stock up on some of those, I expect that there will be some opportunity to even if there's slim margins to make some profits there. So uh, that's kind of the way I'm preparing for COVID and the summer lull and I'm taking it more as an opportunity to restock on inventory and less as a as a um, you know looking at it more positively that I think there'll be another surge in a few months here.
1: See, I'm oh. of a slightly different boat cuz Looking at things from a macroeconomics level, right now uh, well, pe- we're looking, as a country the U.S. is looking at possibly the biggest spike uh, in homelessness in how, I forgot how many years uh, moving forward because the amount of people who will be you know, who won't have money right. to survive past this. So I feel like Things will only... How do you say this? With Zendikar rising, I feel like that's also going to be an extremely low print set, and we're supposed to, and it is expected by medical professionals, that we will get a second wave of... Well, another wave of coronavirus um,
0: Great point. cases
1: Good. going into fall. I feel like it's not just going to be these next few months. I feel like uh, these, we're going to see a drastic downturn in the market, and we're going to end up seeing... We're we're gonna end up seeing a a big drop in prices, I think, going through to even as far as December.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point. It's a, it's a good counterpoint for sure. Um, it, it's a it's a sombering thing because you're right at the kind of at that like social level, July 31st, or maybe it's like July. I don't know. It's it's at the end of this month for sure. I know, the unemployment and all the other stimulus. Ah, uh, bills are set to expire and as of right now uh, at the time of this recording July 9th it's there there's nothing that appears to be planned for like another major wave of stimulus i'm sure maybe that could change pretty rapidly but at this point in time if that if that all expires on July 31st or whatever the exact date is later this month and and there isn't another fallback you're you're absolutely right a lot of, that that 11% in fact: the the jobs report just came out today, and uh, if the eleven percent unemployment sticks between now and the end of the month, all those people that are out of those jobs, to your point, are going to have a hard time having homes. And that's it's a very sombering uh, point to discuss. And you know, we can kind of wrap it up here, but it's, it's definitely a, a good counterpoint to what I just said there. So, um, all right. Yeah, it's a sombering kind of a. a, a, a Sorry to make things gloomy, but. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a, it's a so it is. It's a sobering reminder of what we're dealing with in the world. Okay, um, yeah, so let's turn it over. To, we're, we're about twenty minutes into cast, perfectly on time here. The the next three topics all sort of blend together. So, a quick summary of COVID and summer law is. If COVID, and I think I keep saying if, like I'm trying to be like a journalist, like this isn't proven fact at this point, but the assumption is that this thing's here for a while, right? I think we can all kind of agree on that. And because of that, it's pretty safe to assume that with lockdowns returning, and especially if they get more and more pronounced uh, as these cases continue to spike across the country, EDH will likely continue its foothold as the like glorified breadwinner of mtg it's the place that is driving all the single sales not all i should say all but a very very large majority at least in you know all, all of the folks that i talk to who sell cards they're all focusing on edh right now and uh, it's not coincidental because edh is you know from like a social media standpoint and just popularity standpoint risen for even further to the top of the magic platform because it's what everybody's getting together to your point earlier and getting their webcam set up and, and playing EDH. And we've been doing it here at Conviction Gaming, we've got a virtual table set up on our own uh, side and we've been using Spell Table. which shout out to those folks, they do just a tremendous job over there and, and their platform is amazing. If you haven't checked it out and you're a player, definitely use that. But um, yeah, it, so with all that being said, Transitioning over to this EDH is is certainly the place. Not shockingly, no, you know, it's a pretty obvious statement. Um, but EDH is where we want to continue to focus for our inventory. This has been that way, I would say, for three years now, and it, at least for me personally, um, I've been I've been riding the EDH wave since it started in 2017. I certainly plan to keep riding it the rest of this year, as all the things we just touched on with COVID and summer and stuff continue to lock down the in-person gatherings of all the other formats um and so with that all being said let's let's jump into a little bit about what to expect with edh we've got zendikar rising we've got another batch of commander decks associated with zendikar and then we also have commander legends so we have and, oh and we have the uh green there's like that green reprint i forget what they called it the green reprint set coming as well which won't likely, if anything, that's just going to reduce prices and help people get cheaper staples, hopefully. Um, but with those things coming up, we've got, you know, a whole second half of this year where EDH is going to get all this attention. What are you what are you doing, Jesus? You know, as a, as a player, are you doing anything to prepare for that? Is there any sort of like budgeting in your mind that you're doing where it's like, OK, I want to make sure I set aside enough money to. Like a, a few boxes of Commander Legends, for example, is that is that in the is that on the for or the horizon for you?
1: I have a stash right now in cash, just a few feet away from me, where I am ready to buy at least three boxes of Commander Legends, uh, one of each Commander Precon, and at least one copy of the uh, Commander re- the Green reprint set. And the reason for this is because the way I see it, the moving forward, especially with coronavirus just completely hitting this year, this year and messing things up, um, the, legends fra- the legendary creatures from Commander Legends are unique to it, as well as the new commanders are going to have a massive spike. Uh, they're going to be extremely limited print, and I think they're going to be good... Uh, at least short-term holds, if not long-term. Like, I, I don't see any other way for this to happen other than just like, unless they print it to hell last second at the tail end of the year. If things blow over by then.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, their printer. I mean, their printers. That's no, great advice. That I think sealed product is for sure it's very much on my radar any of the sets released this year especially the standard sets are extraordinarily appealing in my opinion because uh, i look back on icoria and there's just a lot of really cool cards in there there are also a lot of really unique cards in icoria th- things like mutate um and, and also like the just the icoria lay uh, not, uh sorry the lore that's associated with it so um yeah i love i love the notion of keeping an eye on seal and you're right commander legends was supposed to be just this like rock star hit. This is a completely off the cuff, you know. I don't intend to start like a rumor or something. This is totally just me hypothesizing. I think that Wizards would be better served if COVID ends up doing what it's already done once. If it does it again in you know in the next coming weeks or months, Wizards will be better served postponing all of their product launches moving forward until the until things can get. Back off the ground, maybe still release Endorcar Rising so you can keep Standard fresh for Arena. But there's no reason, in my in my opinion, that they should launch Commander Legends, or if they do launch it, postpone 2021 products in- indefinitely and let the products from this year catch up and let people enjoy them and savor those. Commander Legends is, you know, for all intents and purposes, probably the most exciting Commander product that they've created to date. That at least you know from the way they've hyped it and the notion of being able to kind of like draft a commander deck sounds extremely fun for folks who are into limited specifically one of, one of my good friends ben is very into limited i remember when commander legends was first spoiled he was super excited he plays commander because i'll I, because i'm like obsessed with commander but he's not really like i wouldn't say commanders is his first choice with magic it's probably his second or, or even third choice but the, uh, the notion of drafting something and doing it, you know, over and over and be able to create kind of like a cube out of Commander cards in an in a actual sealed product was appealing to him. So the reason I bring that up is because Banner Legends has a potential to acquire a small subset of individuals who would have otherwise maybe never tried Commander or have tried it and, and just haven't really enjoyed the format to date. And capture them into the EDH community. That's that's like the hook, hook line and sinker. There's this hypothesis in my head that that's plausible. Um, so if that happens, the sealed product on this stuff could be a tremendous value because, to your point, Jesus, it, it could be under underprinted and even more in demand than it would have already been. Which the demand is already going to be through the roof, I imagine. So um, yeah, I, I like sealed for sure. I think that's a great a great place you know, for, to be paying attention to um, and, and parking some money. Uh, we got a couple of questions sort of related to this. The first one was, where do we think from Bio BioSpark said, where do we think the prices hit rock bottom? It's impossible to predict that. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I, I have no way of actually knowing that. The stuff that's still in print and, and like brand new, like Ikoria, and I, I'm thinking still in print even like Throne of Eldraine and and Theros, you know, I think it's it's worth starting to keep an eye on those sets, Theros and Throne, because we're at a place now where they're sort of the um, you know, the the older, elder statesman in standard. And then we also have rotation coming up, which could, you know, do some really good things to like War of the Spark and the, uh, the Ravnica sets, Shocklands are the ones that are on my mind. I think Shockland prices are just out of control high. And I think some of that is standard. Some of that is COVID. Some of that's EDH. There's a lot of different reasons. But I would be, I would be especially paying attention to those because once they rotate out of standard, if they're not reprinted again in Zendikar Rising, they will plummet, in my opinion. If you've seen some of the prices on these, like breeding pool was over $20 last I saw just a few days ago. I don't think that's reasonable to expect it to stay there post rotation. The the amount of demand from standard has to be significant. It's just my assumption here. And buy lists on those will continue to drop, but the the only reason that people will be using these after rotation, at least with COVID, is going to be EDH. So I'd be keeping an eye on those, especially when we talk about prices bottoming. Um, I think those charts are going to start trending down. But generally, Bio, I think it's hard to predict that. And it depends. It really depends on what you're talking about as well, like what cards specifically, not cards, sorry, what format and what sets you're talking about. Um, Generally, with standard rotation, the, the cards will begin to bottom as early as August or September, depending on how they are in edh and the windows can be very 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 small on some of those cards at rotation Uh, i plan to do i do an annual write-up some of the folks that'll be listening to this probably have read my articles in the past but every year i do a write-up where i cover all the rotating sets chronologically so um the oldest set that's rotating to the the most recent sets. so in this case, the recent one would be War of the Spark, and going all the way back to I think it's I think Guilds of Radnica would be the older set. I'm going to plan on doing that again. Uh, those will drop in the next couple of weeks here, and historically, if you've read those articles, uh, the the windows that I predict on those end up being pretty darn accurate. I, I've had a lot of good success with those articles in the past, so keep an eye out for that. I think those will help once I do some more of my detailed analysis and data, you know, kind of data driven analysis I can give you a better answer, particularly to the rotating cards. Let's see, the other question is from Barnatog. What do you think about pre-ordering double masters? Jesus, I'm gonna let you handle this one.
1: Um honestly with the way that um Wizards has control over the Amazon pre-orders. And the price that they're marking at about, like, what was it, $400 plus dollars last we checked? Uh, it would... Pro- if you can be able to get Double Masters at around the $300 mark or less, I would say it'd be a worthwhile pre-order. As the print run is, gonna, is most likely going to be extremely limited, as well as those uh, showcase cards, uh, particularly showcase foils if they're not just buy-a-box promos, um, they're going to see a nice premium. As, I'm sp- especially looking at the ones that they already leaked. Uh, Atrax is going to be massive. Uh, she's already an extremely popular commander. Uh, Lightsteel Steel Colossus is oh has always been a fan favorite in the EDH community because one-shot robots fantastic. And then Mana Crypt because people just like tricking out their decks and Mana Crypt being a staple in the format. We're uh, especially at high, mi- mid to high power levels. I think the set is at least worth picking up one or two boxes of, if not just get the singles while they're low and then hold long-term or even like hold this hold sealed boxes long-term uh, as this is going to be primarily draft focused set with a lot of EDH reprints.
0: Yeah. I So I just responded to the question I was typing out a, a little bit broader of an answer not specific double master uh double masters but a little bit more just around sealed for for dxm i i think dxm jesus you keep me honest if you agree with this i think dxm is just a repeat of ultimate masters it, it even has the box toppers it's literally just like they saw how successful uma was and they're like okay let's do that again we made a ton of a ton of money um i said dxm yeah 2xm my bad i've been Typing it as DXM for the D is double, but anyway, um, the UMA and and double masters comparisons are just they look like a copy of each other, and and I think this product is going to be absolutely loaded with with great reprints. I mean, we've already seen a handful, like you said, a Traxa. I think you know the uh, we saw the box topper that doubling season we saw as well, uh, and it was it like Blightsteel Colossus might have been in there as well, so. there's some pretty loaded cards off the top right there we should get spoilers soon and i I think pre-ordering this is probably a pretty safe bet depending on the price that you can get in at obviously aim for um i want to say this this thing is pre-ordering around 200 i'd have to actually double check that but i definitely like the set you know at the at the right price uh uma i think was pre-ordering around 200 as well even maybe a little lower than that like 160 175 somewhere in that range and and within a few weeks or months, you know, at most a couple of months, it was up to $300 a box. So, um, yeah, th- this one should be another slam dunk. The The way that these sealed prices will trend for double masters will be similar to all of the master sets, which are just exclusively reprints. They will likely crater as some of that supply comes online. Not crater, that's pretty extreme. But they'll all drop probably anywhere from to 50% kind of depending on the card you're talking about and then the ones that are most played think like cavern of souls from ultimate masters most played in edh i should clarify those will rebound very rapidly and as those rebound the box prices will not just rebound but they'll actually go up you know significantly to the point where they'll uh, they'll certainly be profitable and then the box topper kind of is just like that lottery ticket on the top uh, so assuming that they're sealed in the box like uh, ultimate Ultimate Masters was. I think I read that. I can't confirm that off the top right here, but I'm fairly certain that's true. Those box toppers will just add another $15 or $25, whatever the number is, and, and expected value to the box. So, definitely like these moving forward.
1: Yeah, and you asked about, will tracks actually see an increase in price after being released in Double Masters? Um, Non-Foil will not, hands down.
0: Agreed. Uh,
1: the Foil... The normal foil may hold some value, but will still be notably lower than its original print. Some people like the new frame, some people don't. So, I will... I expect it to be lower than the original print. Um, and then lower than the uh, print in... What was it? The Anthology? Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, but the box topper one... The box topper one is going to be a huge premium for all those super friends or Atrax and players that love it. The OG versions might, well, will end up dropping in value, but I think they'll climb back up long term to where they are now, as Attrax is just such a popular commander.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think it might take, you know, 12 months or whatever, but I see Attrax as being one of the ones that will rebound really rapidly. Um, So I was asking are they aren't they all foil I, I guess I don't know I thought that I thought, the, I, thought a tra- I guess we don't we don't I don't think know that for a fact we've only seen the box topper if I'm not mistaken so I think we actually have to wait for spoilers to see if it's actually in the set as like a a standard you know pack like a showcase well. right exactly so if it has all sorts of different arts and variants then the OGs are are in trouble and I've Probably wouldn't recommend holding those if you're still without them. But, um, but yeah, I do think a tracks in general will, will rebound. You're also asking about Jace the Mind Sculptor. I know we kind of briefly also touched about that in the fiction Gaming Discord. Jace is in a, in a much different place at this point. Jace, the World Wake foils will always command the max premium uh, of probably any foil. I mean, we've already seen it get Jace got hit with the Mythic Edition reprint. Or, yeah, reprint uh, fancy version, whatever, and Worldwake is still about a two X multiplier from that. So I, I would never be worried about the Worldwake foils. They're they're all they're rare. They're they're hard to come by, and people just love the original. But I would say that Jace as a whole, it's it's trending down. It has been for a long time. I've actually been sitting on a single copy for sale for quite a while myself, and I don't really think that it's going to rebound anytime soon. In fact, I could see this being just another case. It's already trending the same way that some of the other major modern staples like Liliana of the Veil and Tarmogoyf and things like that have gone the way of, which is it's not relevant in modern and modern is no longer as relevant. So um, until COVID is gone, until unless there's a few factors, until COVID is gone, that's one huge factor. And until there's a reason to actually play modern a lot. Again, I would still say modern, modern is healthy for the record, but until there's a reason to play it a lot, Pioneer kind of absorbed some of that hype in the last nine months. I think those two factors are just going to limit Jace entirely. The third factor is Jace has to be good enough in Modern, and right now it's, it's probably not good enough. So that's also an element to this, that a control shell would probably have to come back and make its way to the forefront for Jace to to you know, start going up. If you're holding copies of it, I, I think just take the loss potentially. I, I'm certainly considering that with the one copy I have, um, and then reinvesting it. And yeah, you just so Burns, I just said that. Yeah, so that's kind of what I would say there. Okay, so let's move on to the. If if more questions come up, we'll answer them at the end. But we've got two final topics which sort of blend together. Um, just wrapping up what we just talked about. EDH is for sure what we're you know, kind of agreeing on as the primary force moving forward. So if you are a seller, stock up on those. If you're a player, this is actually a great time to pick up copies of what you need for EDH as well. But the prices are just going to continue to drop over these next eight weeks. They should anyway. That's kind of our prediction. And, uh, and it's a good time to start considering what you need and picking those up. But uh, moving on, we're going to talk about ways to keep selling cards, to make money if things slow down. So it's always important to have what, what George always says is know your outs. And if you've listened to our podcast with George on them, George has said that a few times, it's great advice. And so I want to touch on that and like knowing your outs for how to continue to churn a profit and not just churn a profit, but being prepared to also potentially absorb some losses to free up cash so that you can buy things at their lows uh, so we'll t- touch on that in a second. And then also the last thing is offering up just a couple of good specs, places to put a little bit of money if you're, uh, if the lockdown, like if a full on COVID lockdown occurs, where should we park some money? And even if it doesn't, where, where would we, um, you know, kind of start suggesting to, to look. So I already mentioned Shocklands. It was kind of a spoiler alert. Cause that's one of the three that I'm going to offer up. Okay. So with selling cards and making money in a slowdown, there's a couple things I'm going to say here. First and foremost, I want to give a shout out to the folks over at BAN because the tools that BAN offers is something that conviction gaming simply can't do. And that's that we we are more it, our our community, our skill set in the finance world is that we are brewers first. We love playing the game and we can identify and apply the right times to buy cards, whether it's reactionary to a new spoiler or potentially seeing new trends in the EDH community, whether it's a new card taking hold in EDH because of a ban or a new commander popping up. There's a lot of different varieties of that. That's what we do. Right now in the next eight weeks, especially more probably more than any time in the rest of the year, except maybe the holidays in like December, January, is a lull for Conviction Gaming. There's not a lot going on where we can confidently be like, yeah, you should buy this card because in three months or less, it's going to be double double its value, right? Like, it's harder for us to say that stuff right now. What Band does is they've got tools that are constantly churning and offering up arbitrage opportunities. They're also their their Discord is tremendous at identifying arbitrage opportunities globally. So you know, Japan, China, Europe, et cetera, and they identify that stuff and pass those. Opportunities back and forth to say, hey, uh, you know, this card over in in uh, in I don't know Italy or whatever that you can buy is a fraction of its value in the United States. Hey, I'm gonna I'll pick up these copies and I'll ship them over, and you can kind of create some business relationships with that. So I wanted to give them a shout out. They're a great way to help make money, especially in these downturns, uh, because they're churning. They're not really speculating so much as they are just. Focusing on the opportunities that are existing because of market inefficiency. The other way to make some money in this time is actually what I started to say uh, when I preface this, and that's that you can actually sell what you're stuck on. So if you if you made specs because of Ikoria or Commander 2020 or even further back like Throne of Eldraine and, and Theros, you're still sitting on those specs. There's no better time to offload them than right now, because I'll tell you what, once those prices drop, if they haven't, if those specs haven't panned out now, they're not gonna pan out in the next eight weeks. So if you're sitting on a stack of stuff for Riel, because I called out some stuff and it it didn't hit, uh, there's a few of those, Forbid, bid would come to mind, sell them, buy list them, get rid of them. Free up the capital, take the losses. It's okay to take some losses. That's the whole point of the speculation flipping financing game. You'll, You'll take losses no matter where you invest, whether it's stocks or magic cards or real estate, but it's super, super important to understand that a sunk cost is a lot worse than taking a loss. A sunk cost basically means that you have a fear of selling something taking the red mark on your balance sheet, losing money, and then the card or, or investment in general goes up and you miss out on that opportunity. I have fallen victim to this many a times. Take it from someone who's got a lot of experience with some costs personally. I have some stocks that I should have sold years ago that I'm just sitting there and watching them basically whittle away to dust. Uh, and I have some specs that I have historically done the exact same thing with. I've gotten better about it on that side and I've gotten better about it on the stock side. I'll tell you what, it's a very rewarding feeling when you can take $200 of failed specs, put them into something like a sealed, uh, I'll give you an example, take $200 of failed specs, buy a double master's box, sit on it for three months and sell it for 300. And now suddenly you're starting to recoup your gains. Track that stuff for yourself because it reinforces a positive experience in what could have otherwise been a negative outcome. Um, and, and when you're good at speculating and good at grinding in, in MTG Finance, that $200 that you might have taken in losses can very quickly be reinvested. Sorry, I should clarify that. The $200 of, of failed specs might add up to, let's say they went down by 50%, so you lost two hundred dollars. If you're really good at speculating, you put that $200 back to work, you can recoup that $200 that you lost rapidly, but you have to be willing to do it. You, you're Otherwise you're just sitting on, on cards that are gonna continue to dwindle. So that's a really important thing I wanted folks to hear and walk away from. This is the best time, I, I would say probably the best time of the year to reflect on your, your specs, the failed ones specifically, and start considering the ways in which you can out those, whether it's buy lists or, you know, find the ways that you can get the most for your money with the fastest results and the least amount of work, and then get that money back into your, into your balance sheet. So that you can put that cash back to work on things like what we're going to talk about in a second, which are specs, uh, specs for the lockdown and specs for kind of the future of uh, these next eight weeks. Zeus, do you have anything to add to all that? Sorry, I've been talking for a while here.
1: No, I mean, you kind of said, "Well, I wanted to say you need to cut your losses." As someone who used to play a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh and ended up, I actually had to sell out uh, entirely out of Yu-Gi-Oh in order to go to college. Um, there were times where I would, I would have to just sell some cards to cut my losses because, man, the Yu-Gi-Oh market is so volatile compared to Magic, and we're getting to one of those points here where, if you don't know what to do. Sometimes you just need to cut your losses by selling what you can get rid of. I'm getting to that point where I'm just like, hey, I need to sell some of these cards because I need to put them into cards that I actually need for my decks when those prices drop. And knowing when to do that is massive for any market you're going into. I have family who invest in real estate. It's the same thing. No matter where you go, you're going to lose something. You need to minimize those losses as much as possible.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, just it's really important because the cap the capital that you're stuck on, you're hitting look at it a different way. If you have a hundred dollars in tied up failed specs and the and the losses on those, I'm saying that you can sell them for a hundred dollars in that, right? But the losses that you're gonna realize are hundred dollars, you lost. Fifty percent of your investment, your original was two hundred. You take that hundred dollars, and if you're really good at speculating, or you're really good at like keeping up to speed with the speculation markets through conviction and ban, the hit rates that we have in these communities is like ninety plus percent. I mean, you're not you're not talking about very many misses. So you can recoup those the, on those misses that you have. You're actually doing yourself a disservice because that money can very quickly go back into. Uh, Speculate on the ninety percent that hit, and and sure, yeah, one out of every ten of those might also miss. But if you do it right, nine out of ten, you're gonna you're gonna net some profits. I, I just can't stress this enough. So we'll go ahead and move on. But I mean, it's it's a very important thing to me because I I would say I said I'm gonna move on. I, I got to say this thought: if if you hit a ninety-five percent clip, let's say, or even a ninety percent clip. You miss on the biggest spec from a dollar, dollar and cent standpoint. The other ninety percent don't matter. What I mean by that is, if I do ten specs, but the tenth one that I miss on is a hundred dollar card, I just, I just basically wiped out all the gains from the other nine, unless somehow all the other nine were you know twenty to forty dollar cards as well. Um, and so, if you don't put that sunk cost aside and don't walk away and take the sale at eighty dollars for example and take the twenty dollar loss you've just completely wiped out your profits now if you take that sale you lose the twenty dollars on the hundred dollar card but you made 150 on all the other stuff you still walk away net positive uh, as opposed to sitting there with your you're basically up like twenty dollars in the alternative so anyway it's really important i just had to emphasize that a ton uh and i hope people take that to heart and and really examine what they've got and what we we'll you know putting this in quotes what we call the box of shame so We'll move on the the last thing. So there's some things to take a look at as these next eight weeks unfold. I already mentioned Shocklands. I, I want to start there because it's there's a broader topic that Shocklands represents and and what I wanted to emphasize for speculation. I will be writing articles related to all the rotating sets. I had to hesitate there because I think there are four of them. It's the two Ravnica sets. We've got War of the Spark, and we've got Corset 2020. Those are all rotating. I will be writing about those in the next probably six weeks ballpark. Usually, I wrap that series up right around the mid middle to end of August, and gives gives everyone about two to four weeks to digest it, create your watch lists, and start acting on those cards. If I find anything sooner, meaning like smothering smothering tit, for example, if I realize that that card is you know we should buy it now i will I, i'll let you know that the prices in the conviction gaming discord that the prices on that card are attractive um but generally speaking these articles have have had a really good track record and what these articles do is they're intended a cut out sorry i said tip tithe Five. my bad <laughs> Yeah, good times. Yep. I have to put an R rating on the cast. Anyway, uh, these these articles will typically they they roll out in July and August. Buying windows are anywhere from the time that the article drops to usually as late as like November ballpark. And if you pick up cards in that time frame. Expect to hold them anywhere from three months to twelve months. That's kind of been the track record for the last three years. I've done these articles. Um, that that's where you can start parking some of your uh, some of your free cash flow right now in these next, like I said, eight weeks. It's a good place. The, the, those lists will be very refined, very detailed, and they will typically give you anywhere from four to ten specs per set, roughly. It depends on how deep the set is itself. As I do the analysis, um, so that's a place to look. The other place that you can kind of look at parking money. We just talked about it. Hey Zeus, this is your what what you suggested, and I wholeheartedly agree. Are sealed products, double masters. I think that one's going to be tremendous. Jumpstart is. I love Jumpstart. I'm a very big fan of Jumpstart. They loaded that set with great reprints, great new cards, a lot of chase cards. It's going to be a really good set, and I think it could mirror battle bond in a lot of ways where it's just really popular. Um, finally, the last place that I think is is worth looking at is the reserve list still. I think reserve list cards are just going to continue to have a shot at at climbing. They already have been. i I've been looking at interests kind of daily like I normally do. And it seems like every day there's another one or two, that pop up to the top of the list. Today, it was Bullrest Stronghold again and Talarian Academy again. Uh, the, the Dual Lands continue to climb. Bayou was on the list. Um, Treachery and Mox Diamond are on this list. And, and these are all cards that are going up 5 to 10% day over day. Th- these, are, these are just the cards that if you're willing to ride them out, they'll, they'll always provide you gains. Now, that being said, the one caution about reserve list is we are probably entering bubble territory. And so like 2018, a couple of years ago, at some point the bubble pops and then these cards all deflate in price and they go down 20, 30, 40, 50% in some cases. So you gotta be timely with these. If you speculate on reserve list right now, plan to be quick flipping. And these are going to be low margin plays. These are the type of things where you buy a Tularian Academy that you see pop up on eBay for 60 bucks and flip it for 80 bucks and you make 20 bucks, Walk uh, 15 bucks after shipping and, and fees and stuff. Do that through like Facebook. It's, a, it's an easy way to grind some spending money. It's not going to be like your game changing 50% gainer necessarily, but they are safe plays and the worst thing that can happen is it doesn't go up and you end up buy-listing or selling it for you know, $5 gain or a $5 loss and and you waste a little time, right? Um, so anyway, that's kind of the third one. That's more of a generic one. Be very so- selective on the reserved list cards and be very cautious. But I do think that they are worth continuing to at least have on the radar.
1: Yeah, I agree. Reserved list is kind of... So it's I, ha- def- I personally have a lot of reserved list cards that I'm looking at. Um I don't know if I'm gonna be picking some up, but reserve list is definitely a good just fallback if you don't know what else to pick up. As historically speaking, things will pick up with time, especially with reserved list. Um especially with playable reserved list, I should probably correct myself uh, there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I was gonna correct you if you didn't, so uh
1: just pick up some some cards that look good. Uh I know Helm of Obedience is one that I end up personally having but that's just because I run in a deck. Um, and like like you said, be ready to quick flip in case uh, the bubble pops. Another thing that I've n- noticed, but haven't quite made a move on, because these are very slow-moving long-term holds, look at Masterpieces. Uh, I've noticed that uh, ones that I see a lot of play, namely Wormcoil Engine, from because I... Uh, I have a copy. Uh, it's been slowly going up over the last few months, and I don't see it popping as these masterpieces often... They're, they're primarily the... How do I say this? People like making their decks fancy. Uh, especially in EDH. So looking at like the Masterpiece Lands, the Masterpiece uh, Inventions, uh, and not really the Invocations as much, But some of them, like um, particularly the gods like Kefnet, could be good pickups to just hold long term. Now, quick flips, I'm thinking six to 12 months, if not more, simply because they, with EDH growing as a format, especially because of coronavirus, I can see them
0: hold out for a while.
1: And if not,. they, well, if and if not, they're not gonna I don't think they're gonna drop a lot either.
0: I really like the Kefnick call. I also just looked up Wormcoil while you were talking there Jesus. you're absolutely right. The chart is just up and to the right. it's it's continued to kind of ebb flow, have some growth, plateau, sell off just a tiny bit, and then basically go through that again, and it's been doing that for. Basically three years at this point from when these things first came out. Captain's an interesting one because we actually covered that for bar and as as being a really good card for the new bar and EDH decks. Um, you know, longer term, if people look to foil those decks out and kind of upgrade them, Captain Masterpiece, which you can actually get on TCG Player right now for around twenty-seven dollars, th- those could be you know pretty uh, pretty attractive. I see. I in fact, I see lightly plates for twenty two. The near mint was the one that was twenty seven. So anyway, yeah, TCG low is actually closer to twenty two dollars, not twenty seven. And there's only two pages of these, which the pages I'm less concerned with because masterpieces generally there aren't very many, anyways. Uh, But I love that. I I love that call. I think that's a that's a that's a great pick. Uh, I actually like that probably even better than reserve list just because the reserve list has seen quite a bit of appreciation. So. Cool. Um, the will... one thing
1: about invoke. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say the one thing about invocations is that some people do explicitly avoid them because they are hard to read. So, oh yeah. So you gotta Especially go for the Kef- right invocations, like Scarab God and sometimes Kefnet.
0: It's it's really important to also mention because we you know again back to like the brewing side of this we both play via webcam every once in a while and the SDCC promos that are dark as well as the invocations. They are super, super hard to read. In fact, you can't read them. I, I'm just going to be blunt. You actually can't read them. So, if people are sensitive to that for the coronavirus kind of remote gaming element of magic right now for EDH purposes, those may, they, they actually may not be great pickups, uh, to your point. Not just are they a little ugly in the case of invocations, at least that's a personal opinion, I should say, um, but they also are just tremendously difficult to read on webcam. So.
1: Look, man, I love my black-on-black walkers. I don't know about you,
0: but... <laughs> you play your Sisse deck, and you you have, I think, two of them in there, and I feel like you draw them every game, and I have no idea which one's which. I have three. Uh, I'm going to get four. So... <laughs> yeah, you've got garuk and yeah, so... Anyway, uh, uh, long story short on this, those are, just to wrap that up, we'll and wrap up the cast. Um, masterpieces, good call. I like that one, Jesus. The uh, expeditions. I don't think you said that, but I think maybe those could also be thrown into the same bucket there, potentially. I, I guess. And then, but certainly masterpieces. And then I also touched on double masters and jumpstart and sealed product. And most importantly, I think is preparing for rotation, freeing up your cash flow. I think this is this is the number one takeaway that I will offer: free your cash flow. Up be ready for rotation. In four to eight weeks, we're gonna see some really great buying opportunities come alive for a lot of EDH staples that are currently also standard playable. Shocklands is the one that just comes to mind immediately, but there are quite a few others. Feathering Tithe, I learned how to say that today, that would be on the list. And long story short here, be ready for that because in eight weeks, I think that there's gonna be some great long-term buying opportunities. That'll do it for us our quick plugs in. Jesus, where can, you, where can we find you on Twitter? Yeah, you guys can find me on um,
1: Hispanic at the D5 on Twitter, or you can just talk to me here on the Conviction Gaming Discord. Honestly, I'm free to talk about brewing whenever you want.
0: Yeah, Jesus is is just the king of brewing here in the community is a Great resource for that. And then in, in the Twitter world, you can find me at Chicago or sorry, Shy Style Gaming. So that's the handle. Chicago Style Gaming is the name of my storefront. I kind of do all my MTG content through there. You can find Conviction Gaming on Twitter at Conviction MTG and find us on our website, convictiongaming.com as well as Patreon.com slash conviction gaming. If you want to sign up for our Discord and or our uh, advanced, you know, kind of advanced tier where you get early access to podcasts and articles. You can find all that on our Patreon website. Other than that, great cast as always, Jesus, fun, fun chatting and getting to kind of uh, share some thoughts on the finance world.
1: Yeah, good talking as always. Sorry about those black on black walkers by the way
0: <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all right i'm gonna get, I'm gonna get you to put post-it notes in
1: uh pro- god damn <laughs>